Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 1, Episode 1. You all meet in a tavern, and the campaign begins. Come and light upon our adventuring party. Learn of their rousing backstories and listen to their bold tales of intrigue and see how many Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Witcher fans we lose along the way. Also, shout out to nuns. All right, um, I guess this is it. It's uh, officially the first uh, first episode. Woo, we made it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, boy, we really uh, blew it on the, uh, the five followers, eh? Like, it's way more. I think it's like 10. Yeah, doubled at least. That's incredible. So thank you, everyone. You listen to the session zero. That's amazing. Um, we've had such great reception from everybody, and we just want to say thank you. I hope we, uh, you know, I hope we uh, can can keep things going, and you guys enjoy what you hear. And uh, we're totally excited. We've just been both chomping at the bit to to record this episode. All right. So this is the knowing the party episode. Scary. It's a big party too, right? Like, there's what eight <laughs> of eight of us on this call right now. This is gonna take forever. Uh, I think there's just the two of us. Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't know who these other people I'm seeing on there then, but we'll, <laughs> we'll ignore them. Um, yeah. So, um, getting to know us, uh, well, uh, for me, um, the whole world of uh, RPG and stuff started, uh, when I was quite young and we're going back to 1980, uh, I would have been 14 and my dad brings home a box set of, um, Star Frontiers. And we started playing that. My dad was being the game master and we had family and friends playing and we're in this wild space world. And that was kind of my introduction to it, a TSR um, box set. And from there, uh, very quickly uh, for a present, my dad bought me the red uh, box set of Dungeons and Dragons and uh, made up some characters with friends. And we tried to figure out what was going on. And I got into it in um, a little later in high school and started playing in the Dungeons and Dragons club. And I went to a Catholic school and it was ran by the, the nun, which was hilarious. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I tend to think that maybe she saw the value in it, could see like the, the you know, the cooperation, the maths, all that kind of stuff went along with it. So she was very cool. And uh, shout out to nuns. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was cool. So that was kind of my introduction to uh, to the whole world of D&D. And uh, I actually, and I know a few of you heard me say this before, and uh, but I'm just so proud to say it. That in one of the games that I play in, uh, I still play with some of those friends from high school. So we're talking like over 30 years later, we've kept playing. And all through those 30 years, we have played, you know, D&D and uh, Role Master, uh, Middle Earth, all that kind of stuff uh, for those 30 years. So it's amazing. I still see those people. So it's a, it's a beautiful part of the game. So anyways, that's kind of my introduction to kind of the, the world of D&D. Oh, that's um, amazing. Thanks, buddy. What, what about you? Well, I got into D&D at the end of fourth edition, um, but I've loved fantasy my whole life. Uh, all my close friends were like, you have to try D&D. You're going to love it. And then, of course, I dove head in first. And yeah, um, but I've like my mom introduced me to pirates and castles and wizards and all that good stuff at an extremely young age. Always let me watch whatever spooky cartoon or horror movie or whatever. So that always anything fantasy, like even the old leprechaun movies, just any of that. So 
Yeah, but yeah, I didn't get actually into D and D till the end of fourth edition. We skipped fourth because um, we originally played uh, AD and D, and then we played that for quite a long time, and then we went over into um, second edition, and um, then uh, we kind of hung around in there for a while. Like I said, we played Rollmaster, um, Merp Middle Earth role playing, and we did that for about ten or twelve years in the nineties. So we kind of missed a number of different versions and came back into it on 3.5. And we just kept playing 3.5 for a really long time. And I kind of, we just bypassed fourth and then eventually went straight to fifth. So that was kind of a bit of my kind of history through uh, D&D. I, I think the most ironic thing to me, though, is that it's really irrelevant to what version you play. Um, that's the mechanics side of it, really. That's just the nuts and bolts to me. It doesn't matter what version you play, you still play D&D and you still role play. Like you're being a character in a world that's fantasy that your DM's telling you about that you're imagining and you're helping to build on that story. It's that's the beauty of it. It doesn't matter what version you play. Yeah. Definitely. Uh so you should tell everyone about what you do in the hobby. So, um I am fortunate that uh, it's a full-time gig for me. Um uh, about probably about six, seven years ago, I really kind of got back into it heavy. Um, I'd been playing kind of my friends still. And then my son said, hey, I, I would like to be playing more. So we put together a game with uh, him and my nephew and a couple of their family friends. And we really got into it. And um, I'd always made little pieces of terrain for the game. And back in the day, we actually had a sand table that was a box, a wooden box full of sand. And you draw the rooms in that. That was a thing back in the 80s. So I always mucked around with terrain, but I really got into it for our group. And then members of the party said, hey, could you post pictures somewhere? Could you put it on Instagram, like the stuff you're building? Because I'd love to show my friends. And that's kind of what I started doing and called it Ardnor Minis. Ardnor is the name of my homebrew world. So all my players uh, evolve and live in the world of Ardnor. So I called it Ardnor Minis. It just seemed to be a fitting thing. And then I started posting stuff online. And uh, it started picking up a little bit of uh, movement. People were into it. And that's how, that's how I met my good friend Jim. He was one of my er, one of the early followers, and we got to be good friends through that. And um, in around that time, I was getting uh, a little bit burnt out with my uh, career, and times were a bit too much, and I'd been there too long, and I decided it was time for a break, and I quit. Pandemic hit. Didn't want to look for a job during the pandemic, and I just kind of really stuck in and started making more stuff. And then that's in and around when people start asking, would you make me something? And I'm like, can I sell terrain for a living? And uh, that's what I do now. I make terrain for people, dioramas. I sell stuff on Etsy, uh, Patreon site. I don't want this to sound like a commercial or a sales thing, but that's what I get to do. And it's a beautiful life where all these years and years of playing D&D &D and the love of it all, I get to pour into making artwork. It's, it's, I'm an extremely lucky person. You're a train's top tier. <laughs> it's fun, man. Like it, it, it's, thanks buddy. It, it's so awesome to build something and see people get so jazzed about it. And then you ship it off to them, cross your fingers. It doesn't get broken. It arrives. And then you get to see it in their posts, either in a game or on a shelf or something. Uh, that's really, really cool. And to, to work with people like yourself who are just incredible, have great imaginations and work on it together about, you know, the, the design of it, what are we building and coming up with stuff. And, and that's just so much fun. And like I said, I'm just really blessed and, and I feel very fortunate. So, uh, that that uh, that to me is uh, has been just a, a really amazing thing to come out of all this. Awesome. And now I gotta ask, how messy was that sandbox you guys played in? <laughs> Dude, it was the worst thing in the world. It was about <laughs> probably about two inches tall, 
and it was pretty wide. Like it was a couple of feet wide by about a foot, foot and a half across. And there was a lid on it and it was all made of wood and it was just filled with sand. And we never played at my place. We always played at other people's places. I had to drag this freaking box of sand around with me. Um, and it, it's a very interesting way to play because you just kind of draw on the sand, the rooms, and then your players can move around. The nice thing is that everything stands up in the sand. Nothing ever falls over because it's not flat. Uh, it was a thing back in the 70s and 80s that people played on big sand tables, actually. Um, but yeah, it was super messy. There's always sand everywhere on the table, in the backseat of my car, like whatever. It was, uh, yeah. And there would have been a metal minis going in there, right? Totally, yeah. Back then it was That's all- awesome. Yeah, all uh, lead or pewter. Um, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was a lot of fun. It was good. Great memories. I mean, that's the thing about this game. And I, I don't know if everyone understands that, that D&D isn't like playing, say, like Catan or something. And not taking anything away from Catan. That's a cool game. But Catan is kind of a, like Risk or whatever. You sit down and you play that game that night. And that's awesome. And you have a fun time. D&D is not like kind of a one game. It can be. You can play a one shot. But traditionally, D&D is a, a whole bunch of linked games that turn into a campaign. And you might play, you know, a whole campaign might take two, three years to go all the way through. And at the end of it, there's not really a winner either because you're playing as a team. Like It's fascinating. It's such a different, very different uh, thing to, to be involved in. But the friendships you make along the way and getting to know the players' characters, like they become your friends too, just the characters that they're playing. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. I find uh, the memories are so real too. Like, oh, me and Bites will talk about the memories. Like we were actually there, you know? Dude, you're so right. Like how many times have you been like with a group of friends and you're kind of trying to tell them about D&D &D and very quickly you're into a segment of a campaign you're in and they're listening to you like you're explaining a movie. Yeah. Um, one always comes to mind in our Out of the Abyss campaign. Um, I was a big uh, barbarian Goliath. And there's just, just this little, it was like a five foot gap we had to jump. So, of course, my athletics was through the roof. So I easily rolled, just did a quick little kick off the wall and no big deal. And then our gnome wizard hiked up his robes and ran at it. Of course, in that one, right? And then he's dangling in this pit and he almost died. And yeah, we still talk about that moment. Like we were there. It, you're so right, Jim, that they are just these beautiful memories. They get kind of um, strung together and they become epic stories. You know, um, we had this one game and, and this is a nothing event, but it was so funny. We were, um, we're, we're doing something and it was a bit of an urgency. There was something happening and um, somebody was outside and they were gathering up the the ponies right because we had to ride somewhere quickly and uh they're yelling like come on we gotta go we gotta go come on and the horses are getting away and somebody yelled at them, just hold your horses and they meant hold on to the horses but yeah. the saying hold your horses because we were in a rush oh man we just started laughing and we're like the dm's <laughs> like and that's where the phrase started from right hold your horses and it was just like, such a nothing thing but it was so funny and so beautiful and uh and that's you know that's again part of it um, I, I do want to segue a little bit here for a second because there's a bit of an elephant in the room and it's actually more of a beholder in the room um, because Jim and I obviously were doing this over Discord. We can see each other. Um, and uh, what you people can't see is what's behind my good friend here. And not only has Jim embraced D&D &D as a game, he's embraced it as a phenomenon. Like your, we should talk about the Fungin. Can you please talk a little bit about the Fungin? Uh, yeah, about five years ago started, uh, that's when we really started to build after my wife let me keep all this stuff in our living room for a few years. But yeah, I just, uh, pack it full of all my, uh, cool D&D &D stuff. I got 
art from all over the world from cool people I've met off Instagram all over the walls and just have a beholder floating and there's a mimic chest over in the corner. Of course, all my uh, glass cases filled with the lead figures. Beautiful train that you've made and other people and all the maze. And yeah, it's just, it's my office, really. <laughs> it, it is so cool. Whenever you get to chat with Jim, uh, a video chat with Jim, you always get to see the awesome uh, Fungin and it's always this beholder right above his head. It's awesomely spooky. I love it. Um, yeah, it's a really cool room. And, and Jim, that's just a real tribute to your your love of the game and of fantasy itself. It's so great to see that. Um, your your collection is truly epic, my friend, and it's very inspiring. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's just, uh, I love dungeon mastering and just playing in the games and paint minis, building terrain, painting train, even collecting all the old, I love the old school stuff. That's where my heart is, like collecting all the old memorabilia. Uh, when I mentioned that we did uh, Star Frontiers as my kind of entry point to all this, um, a couple of years ago it was a bit of a giggle. I dug, I dug the box out. I think I posted pictures of it to Instagram, so it kind of just got me excited about it. When I opened the box up, there was like old original like game scenarios that had been handwritten out by myself and my dad and all that kind of stuff. So it was just really cool to see that. And I got inspired and I thought, yeah, let's play it. And it, it's a horrible, it's a beautiful game with horrible clunky mechanics. Like it's just horrible to figure out whose turn it is and what's going on. And But anyways, I thought let's do a traditional version of the game. So I got some of my crazy friends and uh, my wife sat in and played as well, which is hilarious. And I did a bunch of really cool science fiction-y futuristic terrain for it. And we did a one-shot that night. And it was a lot of fun. And um, you and I kind of chatted a bit about it. And you being the stellar guy you are, uh, I believe it was for Christmas, sent me some original lead figures from the Star Frontiers line, which was just, again, it shows the class of a person you are, but just really how you are so tied to the roots of all of this stuff. And I know your collection just contains so many beautiful pieces of like early days D&D stuff. It's just really, really cool. So yeah, and, and people, have, I know some people have heard me say this before. I know whenever I talk about you, um, I always tell people, yeah, like uh, Epic Jim. And I always say he's probably the friendliest person you're going to meet on Instagram. <laughs> And I, I stick to that, buddy. And I don't want to embarrass you or anything right now, but it's just true. Like when we connected and I, I, again, it's the beauty of this game of this whole world. It's the people that you meet. Cause that's really what, what D and D is about. It's the people around you. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy we got to meet. And I think of all the crazy things that we've done, you know, since that, uh, all these great things we put together. Sorry, I'm cracking my knuckles. I shouldn't do that. That probably comes across on the mic. ASMR for some people. No, but seriously, <laughs> thanks, man. Like, I can say the same thing about you. It's just, I've met incredible people through the community. I find, like, because I used to just play just a lot of video games, and that community is nothing like the Dungeons & Dragons community. <laughs> There's a it's lot funny. of awesome people here. Well, it's funny too, right? Because, I mean, the whole gaming world owes itself to Dungeons & Dragons. That's that's really where almost mm -hmm. all of it came from when you think about, like, characters leveling up and just the escapades and the skills, all that stuff. It's very D&D-oriented. But it's a very different community, isn't it? Um, oh, what's the game? Uh, Dragon Warrior. That was okay. my first... Uh, that was my introduction into RPGs, this whole Nintendo game. And it's... Oh. I, the, its roots are very close to D and D. Like it's yeah, yeah. It's one of the first uh, J uh, RPGs or whatever. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I find it so so weird though that you know, um, different tables obviously are different from each other, but 
all the groups that I've ever played with, it's a, it's a kinship, just a real fellowship of people in the room together, becoming super close, really getting to know that person and to know that person's character. And, you know, at the end of campaigns, it can be really emotional. Like I've been in many campaigns where there's like lots of tears in the room, uh, you know, happiness, sadness at the same time. Uh, and then, you know, almost a bit of a depression once the game, the, the, the campaign is finished because it's like, oh man, that's, you know, two years or three years or whatever my life and we're done. And it was something I looked forward to. And of course, you start up a new campaign and kind of get going again, but it, it, it's kind of, it can always be a bit weird at the beginning because of that. Um, but I, I don't, and I could be wrong, I'm not a huge video game person, but from what I've seen from the outside, it doesn't seem to have that kind of connection for people. And if anything, it seems to be more um, like berating each other <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and not collaboration. It's more of a, a very much against each other type feeling. You have to have thick skin to play online these days. <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's really cool. Um, what what uh, kind of aspirations do you have in regards to D&D and stuff right now, Jim? What's kind of on your radar? Uh, the, I know all the new Dragonlance stuff coming out. I mean, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I, I get that totally. And would you believe, I, I only saw it yesterday. It came out in end of April, but it was the... Um, but D&D Beyond, I believe, put out for D&D um, Beyond or D&D itself. I can't remember, but they put out the little video clip talking about the upcoming book. It had the black cover on it, right? Because you don't know what the cover is yet. And uh, and a kind of some module stuff. And I had I totally missed that. I saw it yesterday and I'm like, oh, man, I got to tell Jim about this. And I look, it's like, oh, it came out the end of April. Jim has already watched this like 10 times. Just <laughs> um, kind of funny. For some reason, I didn't see that. But super exciting. Like, oh, my goodness. To think of another like a and d manual style book about Dragonlance is so exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to run a game from there. I, I'm all about the homebrew, but I'll, I'll run a Dragonlance campaign. <laughs> oh, why not, right? Totally. And, and you know, and what the thing about it too is like, you know, I mean, in our current game right now, we have an NPC that's a kender, right? And just pull some stats off the original uh, manual from uh, back in the, the 80s. And, uh, you know, you don't, Again, don't be don't be hamstrung or you know chained to the rules. Bend them, break them, do whatever. Have fun with it. Like it's your game and your players' game. Like, make sure everyone's having a good time. And if you want to introduce a different race from somewhere that doesn't exist in Five E, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. try and balance it and figure it out and and put it in there. It's totally cool. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta talk to your players about that stuff, right? See what. Yeah. So they want some people on old school games, and that's fine. So you just keep it old school. But I usually go off the rails on mine and. Oh, yeah. It's all sorts of, you know, half mermaid, half uh, centaur. And it's just a human because he got the, his mom's half is the mermaid. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. I never thought of that. I love it. All magic, hey, though. Yes. Yes, totally. But anyways, I guess, um, is there anything else quickly here about getting to know us? Like, I think it's a pretty good, pretty good segment, isn't it? About getting to know us. Yeah, if you have any questions, you know, just. I think we have to figure that out about the questions thing, right? Because I know people can kind of leave comments, but I guess it depends on where you're listening to this. There's not like a, you know, a, a, an easy way for us to see that. So I would say probably, you know, try and reach out to us on Instagram and uh, send us a message on Instagram. And uh, that might be the easiest way to send any messages if you want or any comments. Uh, I am um, Ardnor underscore minis. And uh, my good friend here is Epic Jim. So if you've got anything... Uh, you know, fire it off to us. Uh, cool. Well, if that's good, why don't we uh, take a little quick break? Because I think that Beholder is looking at you kind of funny. Uh-oh. 
Fantasy Factoid. So I'm sure most of you have heard uh, the name Gary Gygax, uh, originator of Dungeons & Dragons. What you might not know is that Gary actually had a partner in creating that. Gary came to it with the mechanics. Uh, he had a game system he called Chainmail, and uh, that was kind of like I said, the mechanics of it. But the other gentleman, Dave Arnson, had created a world called Blackmore. And Blackmore was more of the kind of the role-playing, the magic, and the individual character level. And those two components together formed what we know as Dungeons & Dragons. So next time you think about it, Gary Gygax isn't the only person behind Dungeons & Dragons. Don't forget about Dave Arnson. All right, and we're back. And uh, good for you, Jim. I can't believe how you um, kind of put that beholder in a headlock. That was pretty awesome. I got to teach you that's Icornius. I don't know how you did that with all the eyes moving around. Like, it was pretty, pretty, you must have had a high dex roller. So, uh, Jim and I were talking, and we thought it might be kind of fun, obviously getting to know the party here a little bit, is to maybe talk about some favorite things. And Jim put together a great, Jim is the list man. Like, if you ever want to have a great person interview you, get Jim to interview you, because we've had, I know he's done it with me a couple of times, and he always comes with these great questions. I love it. Uh, when I did that 24-hour build just recently where I foolishly went for 24 hours straight and built that Stranger Things diorama, you popped in for a while, and I was uh, pretty heavy into concentration on the build, and it, you just made me kind of get out of my head for a while and think about these great questions. So Jim's awesome at that. Um, and so he's got us, you know, no worries, buddy. So Jim's got a couple of things here for us that he's listed off, and uh, yeah, we're going to go through them and uh, answer a couple of these. So uh, what's our first one, Jim? All right. What's your uh, favorite fantasy universes? Universes, fantasy universes. I'm going to be um, really arrogant and say the world of Ardnor that uh, I created with my party is one of my most favorite universes. I've, I've done a, my personally, I've obviously built different worlds and stuff over the years and played in different worlds. And I'm just so super proud of the one that we have. It's so much fun. So that would be probably the top of my list. Um, and then, um, Samaria, the kind of Conan Samaria type stuff mm -hmm. is another very favorite one. Awesome. Really, really good. And probably John Carter, um, you know, John Carter of Mars, uh, that world, uh, is really, really interesting to me. Like they did, uh, it was, uh, so well-written and to be such a neat world on Mars. But anyways, that'd be a couple of mine that would come to mind. Oh, cool. I'm just so thankful you didn't say Harry Potter. We would have had to uh, end this podcast right here. <laughs> Our podcast is over. <laughs> just kidding, Harry Potter fans. We it's love just... you, Harry Potter fans. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the 14th follower is a massive Harry Potter fan, so be careful. Oh, uh, yeah. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, okay. okay. Yeah, there's still magic So and wizards. So, okay, I'll give that to you. <laughs> Um, right. For mine, uh, Jim Henson's worlds. I mean, Ooh. come on, man. the Dark Crystal and the Labyrinth and all those, right? Pretty cool, buddy. Um, Kryn, of course, I'd say Kryn. Yeah, Dragonlance, you know. Yeah. It's it's rare magic, but dragons aren't that rare. Not like that. It kind of brings them more down to earth. Yep. That one. Uh, Middle Earth, of course. And the Rings, right? That's the grandfather of fantasy. Yes worlds yes and uh eternia i had to throw that in there that's uh he-man's universe oh. masters of the universe yeah you're you're a big masters of the universe guy i just i love how it's it's like science fiction crossed with fantasy that is true it is yeah okay next one what is our next one what is your favorite live action fantasy movies 
Mm. Okay, I went first last time. You go first this time. Uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, obviously. I mean, it's a gimme. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Stardust? Which one is Stardust? Uh, it's got like Danny DeVito in it. It's about a star that gets knocked down to the... Oh, no. Then my, they wander around. My dad loves that movie, and he's told me to watch it so many times, and I never have. Please so. do. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite fantasy movies, and it's okay. kind of underrated, so... I'll add it to the list. And then uh, the Storyteller series by Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are amazing, too. I just... It's because they're most of them are based off old German folktales, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always creepy and spooky. And uh, for me, um, again, yeah, of course, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is—it's <laughs> so beautifully, sweepingly epic. Um, you know, just absolutely, just eye candy to watch. Um, I don't want to get into the things where I start rambling about things that piss me off about it. Um, adding stuff in that didn't exist and taking stuff out that should have been there. Let's not go down that road. That's a whole nother whole discussion just to have and we definitely won't talk about the hobbit movies (laughs) yeah no no we're not going to go there uh but absolutely beautiful like that is yeah truly a beautiful film but uh other favorite uh live action fantasy movies would certainly be for me uh conan with arnold schwarzenegger i will yeah i think i just watched it a couple months ago i'll watch that all the time anytime it is arnold is definitively conan it's he looks like you know a frisetta painting that walks it's beautiful uh that's a great great movie um, and I'll also uh, say, and it's a little bit out of uh, fantasy. It's more science fiction, but I'm going to say it anyway. Blade Runner, uh, original oh, yeah. Blade Runner. Oh, dude, I absolutely love that film. I've watched it so many times. It's so amazing, uh, so immersive. So for me, that's kind of, I'll go with those guys. Awesome. And then we can't forget in the Conan movie, that's the best thing that's ever happened in a movie when Arnold punches that camel. <laughs> I mean, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. <laughs> um. Favorite fantasy cartoons uh, for mine, uh, the Wizards movie from 1977, oh. the mm-hmm. Ralph Bashkir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, I love th- that movie. I think it, I, I, this is going to be so funny because um, my number one on favorite is actually the uh, Lord of the Rings by, and it's, I, th- I had to look it up today because I want to get it right. I think it's a Bakshi. Like B A K S H I, I think I think you say Bakshi. I always say Bashki, like, but I, I think it's Bakshi. Anyways, n- you know, no dispersions. Beautiful, amazing, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing artist. Such a great creator. So if we get the name wrong, we're terribly sorry. Um, but he did both those films, and for me, my parents took me to see in 1978 that Lord of the Rings film. I was like 12, and my brother and sister were like, you know, sixes and sevens. Like they're you're young. And That's we went to the theater. Could you imagine? Like the Nazgul are so, they're the best I think ever. They're so creepy. I mm-hmm. love that movie. Uh, Wizards is great too. But so anyways, I want to, I just want to say we're like, dude, oh, number, awesome. number ones were right there. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, fi- I find less is more at those, you know, because it really makes your imagination take over. Like when it's just the shadow of the Nazgul's running and. So great. Um, the Last Unicorn. Oh, I love that cool. movie. That, that's another creepy one too. <laughs> my childhood and then uh the dragons of autumn twilight cartoon you love that don't you it was so terrible it is a terrible movie would not recommend but it's the only Dragonlance movie we have right now and i love it dearly <laughs> that's cool and what's your other two 
Um, I, I would go again. It's another ba- um, Bakshi one. It's Fire and Ice. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, again, it's like Frank Frazetta is one of the greatest fantasy artists of all time. Um, people like Boris and et cetera, they're amazing too, but I do mm. feel they're just kind of like almost copies of Frazetta. Sorry to say that, but I think it's true. But Frank Frazetta is just so amazing. And for them to do that movie, it's like literally film people, you know, doing the scene and then through what's called rotoscoping, draw those characters in movements. So you get very realistic movements and it's all based on Frazetta artwork and stuff like, oh my God, that film is just, it's the best. It is like so incredible. Um, so that those kind of they're my two big ones. And, you know, I'll be honest, um, I'm kind of like actually drawing a little bit of a blank for, for another third one. Um, but what I'm going to say is, um, is I'm going to go to, um, something much newer and, uh, the Netflix series, um, love death and robots. Did I get it right? That's what it's called, right? Love, Death, and Robots. There's so many great animated clips in there that are so inspiring, which is, okay, that led me to it. So I'd probably also say that the Heavy Metal, the original Heavy Metal movie. Oh, I didn't even think of that one. Yeah, Yeah, I'd definitely be on there. Heavy Metal is so insanely amazing. Uh, The soundtrack is the best, and it's just these great stories. It's so fantastic. Tarna is just like a goddess. She's so amazing. Um, And that's really what they said, the, the, the Love, Death, and Robots was going to be a remake of heavy metal, which was always like segments of different artists coming together. But I think they didn't get the rights or something didn't happen. So they just called it love death and robots, um, which is kind of cool. So yeah. How about we, uh, we say that. Cool. Yeah. My, uh, yeah. My parents actually got me to watch that movie when I was pretty young. It was pretty wild. <laughs> Such a great movie. So good. Yeah. All right. Um, what do you got? Favorite fantasy books. Well, you know, you, you, you can't not have Lord of the Rings as the top. Right. Like it's just truly incredible. Um, J.R. Tolkien is just like, I think he might, and I probably get like really slagged on by people for saying this, but I think he was like some level of like a, um, like a very special mind, like maybe autistic or something that he was so that world existed either it's that, or he could do some kind of dimensional travel. And he went to middle earth and just sat there and documented what happened because I don't think there's any more fleshed out book. I don't think there's any more fleshed out books than kind of, than what he did with middle earth. It's so amazingly beautiful. It's just, yeah, just so great to read and so much there and so well thought out. And, uh, this was always something I don't want to go off on a sideline too heavily here, but I have a old copy of the Hobbit. Um, and on the cover is a drawing that he did. Uh, and it's the death of smog when Bard has shot the arrow and it's got smog in the air and there's an arrow sticking out of the side of him. And when you flip the book over, because it does both sides of the book is kind of the full drawing. On the back of it, it shows a moon. And I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it shows it as a full moon and then you see it scratched out and it's turned into a crescent or something. And there's a little footnote and it says, couldn't be a full moon, has to be a crescent because it's da-da-da days past, you know, Dur- Durin's doors, or, or Dur- sorry, during like the, I can't remember, the Lonely Mountain, the, the moon and the Lonely Mountain for the, the stork yeah. to see the entrance. And he's like so crazy knowledgeable about this whole world that he's drawn the moon wrong and he's corrected himself because it has to be this. And I remember as a kid looking at that going like, oh man, to be so, so tied to this world to, 
understand the lunar cycles and that, you know, that was just crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. So sorry. That was a very long way to say that. Uh, no, that's of, awesome. Yeah. Lord of the well Rain. deserved. Well deserved. Honestly. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing, right? Like so absolutely amazing. Um, things like the Silmarillion are up there with me as well. Um, that obviously he wrote a ton of it. And then his son, Christopher came in and did the, the editing and pieced it together out of different things after his father had died. Uh, uh, amazing. Super. Like I, my version of the book, I have it wrapped in paper and I have a little pocket on the back that holds another little tiny notebook that I wrote down all the different names of rivers and it's all alphabetical and names of people. And everything. so when I had that name come up again, I could flip through my book and figure out what the hell it was talking about. Cause it's just like a, a name drop type of book. Um, so amazing, so epic. Um, and uh, other fantasy stuff. I don't know, Jim, are there any other books out there that are any good in the fantasy world? Um, what is that one that starts with a D? What is, yeah, what is I'm going to say you're forgetting the Dragonlance trilogy, the first <laughs> one, and also the second Dragonlance trilogy, the Brothers yeah. trilogy. The Brothers trilogy is really good. I, I do like, obviously, the first one is the best. Um, do you like the first one better than the second? or Just a... Tiny bit more. Honestly, I love the Brothers trilogy though because I really love Raceland so much. I was like, they made three more books about Raceland. I was like, yeah, let's go. Like, I read those right after I read the first trilogy. Yeah, I get that. You're right though; those are good for me. It's kind of like um, comparing uh, the first Star Wars film and the first to me is in when I saw it when it came out of the theaters in '77, Star Wars Episode Four. Um, that compared to Empire Strikes Back, and. I think Empire Strikes Back is a better film. Like I, but I, I have this internal conflict with me all the time, which one I like better. And sometimes, on some days I'll say Empire, and other days I'll say it's Star Wars, and it's really hard. And I think the Dragonlance, those two trilogies, is a little bit of that, where you kind of go back and forth. But yeah, those would be kind of my favorite fantasy books. A uh, quick little side note about Star Wars there. Uh, so we, we might lose a bunch of followers here, but I don't, oh. like, I don't like Star Wars. A lot of people are usually pretty surprised to hear that, but it's just, I don't not, I don't, yeah, I don't dislike it, but I just don't like it. <laughs> I, I think we're done. I think yeah. this, this Sorry, is finished. I think, uh, <laughs> I think I need to get a new podcast partner. Um, apparently I, I needed to have some kind of like, I need your resume or something to be yeah. submitted. And that would be a question on the questionnaire. Do you like Star Wars? And if it's, I don't, it's like, sorry, thanks for coming out. Yeah. Yeah, so now we offended Star Wars people and Harry Potter's people. Oh, um, oh yeah, for books too, uh, the Dritz novels. Oh, I've never, really? I've never read any of those. Oh, they're so good. Are they? Hmm. Yeah, it's just like more. It's like from the Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Universe, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah. No, they're real good. Highly would recommend. Okay, I'll check that out. I know uh, people absolutely love that character. Like he's like beloved by people. Hmm. And then last on the list here, we got favorite fantasy video games. Ooh. Um, okay, who, your turn to go first. Uh, Skyrim, of course. That's just... I can't believe that they've released that. I don't even know how many times now. Six probably or more. And I've bought it, I've bought it four times, I think, already. <laughs> just keep re-releasing it, and I just keep buying it. Right. And then uh, The Witcher... Oh, Witcher 2 is awesome, but Witcher 3 even more. So that's just so, such an awesome world. If we want to lose some more people, um, I a, have never played the game and B have not watched the Netflix series. Mm. I know absolutely nothing about Witcher. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd recommend it. It's pretty good. There you Give go. Give a chance. I think this whole episode is about trying to see how many followers we can get rid of. 
Yeah. <laughs> we do. We like some stuff, but you know, some stuff we don't. So, yeah. Is that all of them? Anything else? I mean, there's a million of them, but those are my top two. Okay. I've never been a huge video game person. Okay, so let's put that out there. So any of the newer stuff, and newer I mean probably in the last 15 years, I have no clue. I, I've never played any of those games. Um, for me, uh, kind of the top things of video games I do like that I have played would be uh, original Baldur's Gate. Love oh, awesome. Baldur's Gate. My son and I played tons of those kind of like, um, you know, uh, PlayStation, uh, you know, adventure games right because that's totally D D right there right like it's amazing so we played that which i'm kind of excited he's been saying that there's a new version that's kind of in beta that they're getting ready to release or whatever yeah. so we're kind of excited about maybe trying that out it's been a long time it'll be fun um and i got super hooked on a video game because the kids obviously had playstations and all that kind of stuff and i did get super hooked on a video game that you may or may not know of called um medieval oh yeah yeah, yeah. right uh, silly. <laughs> it was sir daniel fortescue in the uh, world of Gallomir, and he runs around with a massive sword that's way too big for him. And he's got one eyeball sticking out of his skull. Dude, I loved that game. I played that thing to death. That was amazing. I thought it was a great video game. Yeah, no, those are great choices. There you go. Yeah. Um, cool. Is that that's all of our list, right? Yeah. Well, so buddy. Hopefully I, we didn't. Hopefully we didn't offend too many people. We we offended lots, and that's okay. Um, yeah. You know, and hopefully we gained some others because you know there's a massive medieval group out there. Right. Like I, I pulled in so many followers just now talking about that video game. So don't worry. But I hope that gives everyone a bit of an idea about the two crazy fools that are sitting here talking about D&D and uh, a little bit about us. You have anything to add here, Jim? Nope. OK, there we go. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Look out. Random encounter. Welcome to Random Encounter. This is a segment where Sean and I roll dice and on roll charts and make an encounter on the fly that you can use in your game. Yeah, um, that sounds cool. What, what, what lists do you have going over there, Jim? Uh, I have a monster chart and a terrain chart from the AD&D Monster Manual. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, I have kind of weather climate that I've put together myself. And the other one I have is like just some kind of random events. It's a mixture of some things I came up with and some I grabbed off the internet. Uh, if, you know, anyone wants to do this, it's super simple. Like, you know, like Jim saying, some are from the books, some are from online. You can get these things from pretty much anywhere, right? Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's do this. All right. What am I rolling? I roll a D10. Okay. D10 roll coming up. That would be a nine. All right, now roll a D100. D100. Ooh, that is a nine again. That's got to be a, a bad omen, isn't it? Two nines in a row. That is a devil. What? Pit fiend. Yeah. Okay, that is very cool. So yeah, so that's a simple roll on a, you know, on a, a creature chart and we've yeah. got a pit fiend we're kind of starting with so that's fun okay uh i and the, wanna... and the higher you rolled on the yes. d10 the harder the encounter is going to be oh there you go there you go that's cool uh okay so the next let's find out what the weather and kind of the environmental weather is like so jim if you can do a percentile roll you got 30 30 okay so on my chart 30 comes down as normal weather and it's uh, normal for the season. So in this case, it's pretty standard. 
If you can roll another percentile, we'll find out if it's very windy or not. 30 again. Whoa, two nines and two thirties. That's just bizarre. Uh, standard wind. Okay. So it's a pretty basic day and standard wind. Can you give me a die eight roll? And that will determine any direction of that standard wind. Eight. Eight. Eight would mean it's coming from the northwest. So we have a northwest wind standard, and it's a standard day. The pit fiend. Okay. Um, what's the next one you have on yours? Uh, train. So roll a another D10. Another D10. Ooh, 10. Ooh. And now roll a D4. D4. That would be a three. Uh, valley. So the 10 was for a depression. And then okay. Was, yeah. Then it was gorge, rift, valley, or canyon. Okay. So we got a, uh, what was the first one? Sorry. The first roll then came out as a. On yours? 10. Yeah. And what does that mean? What is that? Uh, depression. Depression. Okay. And it was a valley. I get you. Depression valley. Mm -hmm. Okay. There we go. All right. Uh, I have then an events table. And again, this is one that is a mixture of stuff that I've put together and stuff that uh, I purloined from the internet. If you can roll um, a two die 20, please. A three and an 11. Okay. So 14. Okay. I have, you see smoke signals. They're being made by a barbarian orc tribe. Okay. Okay, so I guess our components then would be that you are in a valley. It's a little bit of basic wind coming from the northwest. It's an average day out. You've seen smoke signals, which in turn you'd find out are from a barbarian orc tribe. And the main beast would be a pit fiend. And the smoke signals wouldn't be very far because it's not very windy. Not very windy, no, so you'd be easy to see them. They wouldn't drift. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that I think is really interesting. I mean, already my head's starting to spin around on some things that could be, you know, really interesting from that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love the the, like, the valley idea. I think I, I kind of get like, um, you know, you're walking through something fairly, uh, you know, a depression. So you're kind of got walls of stuff around you. Um, and then maybe that's the thing is you're walking through that. All of a sudden up above that, you see the smoke coming up. So you've Got to make your way up out that valley to find out what that smoke is. Um, what about you? Is anything kind of coming to your mind? Uh, yeah, with the with the pit fiend, I'm thinking that the orc, maybe an orc shaman summoned one to help them, but he's not coming to help. He's oh, I like that. messing him up. Oh, I like that a lot, actually. How about, yeah, he's summoned and he turns on them. The uh, adventurers make their way up out of the valley and see this going on. And then there's a decision. Are you actually fighting alongside the orcs to defeat the pit fiend? Are you just fighting everything, all that's there? That would be a really just interesting. Leave them be. Yeah, just, just go back down to the valley and keep going, <laughs> which yeah. is a valid. You can do that. There's nothing that says you have to run in, which is really the true beauty of D&D. It's really kind of open to do whatever you want. Um, yeah. But I'm hoping people can see very quickly, like just a couple of rolls on a few tables and we've got a whole scenario now happening. Like this is pretty exciting. And I think, you know, you, you can really start seeing some of these neat mechanics come together and how we could actually create a really neat little encounter really quickly. Yeah. What about on the fly, Jim? Do you like doing any of these kind of roles on the fly when you're DMing or is it something you like to use more for trying to create encounters and stuff? Uh, sometimes I use them on the fly if my uh, 
players will go down a hallway that they weren't supposed to or teleport somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mind using them. Um, a lot of times I find if I've got my the party out and they're doing like literally adventuring somewhere, traveling somewhere, that's when I usually will try to determine what the weather's like that day. And then uh, to see if there is some kind of encounters or, you know, do that random encounter, see if they engage on something. And I think we should point out too, they don't have to be negative things either. Like on my uh, events thing, a number of those are very positive events. They might meet uh, an old peddler who's, you know, pushing an old wagon with his wares and hidden in those wares. If they search well enough, there could be a magic item or, you know, or something of some value. Um, it could be information that's given to them. It doesn't have to be an, an encounter. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. And uh, sometimes what I'll do is actually I'll have a beginning of it. It's a, a positive and negative thing where you, it's a 50-50 roll to find out what kind of encounter is it. Is it a positive or a negative one, um, which is kind of fun. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so we should do a roll for the treasure you get for defeating yes. the pit fiend. Yes. I want lots of treasure. It was a hard battle. We lost three of the party. There's only mm -hmm. two of us left. All right, roll D20. D20 coming up. 17. Well, it was four magic bolts plus Ooh. two. So I that mean, you could always awesome. spruce that up as the DM since they're from a pit fiend. They probably do crazy fire damage. Maybe they do like a fireball's worth of damage when they hit. Totally, totally. And, and you know, and it, it's a discussion I have with people quite often. You find... Um, Items that would really hurt the creature are the items they tend to gather and keep because obviously they do damage them. They don't want them out in the world. So a lot of times when you defeat some kind of creature, they will tend to have stuff in their treasure trove of things that would actually hurt them, which is quite, kind of interesting to me. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, I mean, again, that, that is really quickly. We've knocked together a awesome little encounter. Uh, it's descriptive of what's going on. I love the valley idea. There's so much you can do with that. Um, even just getting out of the valley, it could be difficult for the party to try and get up out of there. There might be some, you know, rolls on skills to see if they can make it up the, the side of it or something. Yeah, um, I love the not knowing what's there, just seeing the smoke. Yeah. Pit fiend could be a bigger boss. Exactly. You know, exactly. one that they, they kind of defeat now, but then they, yeah, they find them later. Yeah. I mean, and again, it could be that they see the smoke cause that's part of the ritual. The shaman's ushering in the pit fiend when they arrive and it might be, can you stop them before the pit fiend comes? Like there's so many different ways you can work with it. Anyways, I hope people understood. That's kind of a, a way you can work with some counters. There's so many tables out there. If you don't want to make your own, if you're a little intimidated, so many, you can just download and get. Yeah. And please let us know if you guys use this encounter in your game. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe we'll have to use it <laughs> until next time on random encounter. Next time on 13-sided die. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, chat a little bit about, uh, I guess, uh, maybe the next show. Uh, do you have any ideas for a next show? Um, we could do, like, bring an immersion to the DM table. Yeah, I like that. We're, we're both very, very big about that. I, I'm wondering if that might be a little too specific right away for, like, heavy D&D-type content. Do we want to maybe be a little more general for the first ep couple episodes or something? Like, um, what about talking about some of the up and coming things like the rings of power, your Dragonlance books, maybe just talking Woo. about something. There you go. I got them talking about some of those things that are coming and we can maybe just discuss our feelings and our excitement about it. And those kind of things might be a little yeah, more talk, general. Talk about new Dragonlance stuff. Yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. And then maybe the, then maybe we can look at doing the immersion at a future date. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay. I like that idea. So next episode, we're talking about up and coming uh, things related to D&D, fantasy, RPG, all that kind of stuff. If you want to check anything out, make sure you send us a message before that uh, comes out. That's a really good idea. Yeah. If there's anything anybody wants us to include in that, please let us know. All you 10 listeners. Excellent. Yeah. All right, buddy. I'll look forward to next time. All right. See you later, Sean. Take care, my friend. Bye. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Goblin torture device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.